everyone, Tony and John here, bringing you King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, well, the draft was on Thursday. The Kings made their pick, their only pick of the night. Um, John, how do you feel about the draft? Well, you know, the Kings didn't really surprise us because as we kind of were getting the feeling going in, yeah, they were going to probably stay at that fourth pick. And, you know, it seemed like when we were talking about it, you know, it seemed like we were kind of like yearning, you know, in the lead up to the draft, we were yearning for them to somehow get Ivy and make a big change to the roster. But at the same time, I think at the in the back of our minds, and even just as we'd like clarify and finish our thoughts, we'd be like, but, you know, Murray wouldn't be a bad pick either. Like, just taking Murray at four, like, it's like, Eh, it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the greatest use of it, you know. Just looking at it from the outside, but uh, it wouldn't be terrible. And you know, they just went ahead and did that. But uh, you know, the surprise was, of course, uh, just at the number one pick, uh, Bancaro went number one to Orlando, and uh, I guess that was pretty amazing—the fact that they could keep that a secret for so long in this day and age. But uh, yeah. I love it when they are about to announce the pick and, you know, they're just like, hey, Woj, you got anything to say? He's like, well, actually, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in just five minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah. just, let me just tell you what's going on. Like, yeah, right. It always ruins it. It's like, <laughs> like whatever. Like, why are we even listening to the commissioner go out there and say the name? Exactly. We should yeah, just yeah. keep it focused on you guys and get your point of view, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. It's like. I, I don't know. It's just like a spoiler. It's like okay, like you know, it's not, that five minutes is kind of exciting. You want to listen to him say it, but you know, yeah, you just got Woj out there just blowing every pick. It's like, yeah, they're gonna take Bancaro. Like <laughs> boom, bombshell, Woj bomb. It's like uh, yeah, I, I kept know. thinking, I kept thinking, how funny would it be if he got it wrong? He's like, oh, oh man, and they just have to cut to him again. Ah, uh, I. Uh. It's like him and him and Shams like. I would like where where are they getting all their sources? Like why why are they always the first guys? They are very reliable too. Exactly. Um, like how do they get? I don't know. I like how do they get this information so quickly? I don't know. You know, you do favors for people, man, and sometimes that includes things in a parking lot, and sometimes that doesn't. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, it was a it, in terms of the kings, um, which you know Woj blew that one as well. Um, just going like, I heard that they're going to take Keegan Murray. They're pretty strong. Or was it the other guy? Uh, um, uh, Sean Marks, uh, the bald no. guy. Yeah. I, think they, I think he's the one that said it for the Kings, mm-hmm. which is, it's less exciting. It's like, yeah. at least you're getting the, the, what is it? The Woj bomb. You're getting the Woj bomb, man. The Woj, yeah. Right. We're getting well, bombed, yeah. dude. It's we got well, bombed I mean, with some information. You expect it from Woj, even if it's a little, you know, ruining the surprise. Yeah, Sean Marks, whatever. You, I feel like now you really pe- ruined it. Seriously, I feel like people that are friends with Adrian Wojnarowski, which I can never say the last name correctly. <laughs> uh, I feel like people who are friends with him are probably just constantly bombarded with information they're not ready for. He's <laughs> probably telling them. He's probably telling guys that their wives are pregnant before he hears from their wives. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> like breaking news to them. Like, what the hell, man? Just let me figure it out for myself. Like, <laughs> what the heck? But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Then Sean Marks or Mike Marks, Mark Marks, whatever his name was. I Sean forgot his name. Marks, Bobby Marks. I feel like Bobby Marks. Mark. I think is right. it Bobby Marks? I think. It was but Bobby I, I think there is a Sean Marks too, though. I think there's the a couple knows? of marks. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, oh well. you know, Keegan Murray, number four, followed by Jaden Ivey, overcome with emotion to go to Detroit. Good for him, I guess. But uh, King's pretty happy with their guy. Um, I guess, you know, it wasn't super surprising, like I said, but it was still, you know, it wasn't something that was like a hundred percent expected, so I feel like there's like you know some questions to go through to kind of see how they came to this situation or came to this decision, I should say. So I think one of the things that was interesting um, on the night of 
was the report that, uh, well, first of all, the Atlanta Hawks uh, reportedly wanted to move John Collins by the end of draft night. And, of course, that was with the report uh, a few days beforehand about um, the Hawks wanting to trade Collins to the Kings in some kind of a trade that would not involve the fourth pick. So everybody was kind of thinking, and I think we had mentioned the possibility that, um, you know, this could mean that instead of getting Murray for the four, you could somehow keep the four pick, get Ivy, shift, you know, swap up the roster somehow um, and get Collins to fill that kind of four spot on the starting lineup. Just spitball and not really committing ourselves to anything. But um, it seemed like such a pivot point. If you could add Collins somehow, you know, that that opens up so many different doors for your roster. And uh, reports came out on the night of that the Kings were, um, you know, shooting off uh, offers to the Hawks that were, quote, underwhelming. And, uh, you know, did that lead, you think, to uh, the Kings just taking Murray and just, you know, using their pick, doing the simple thing? I mean, if you get John Collins, it's a great question. Because if you, if you get John Collins, you know, a power forward, Keegan Murray is a power forward. Yeah, he said he can play either forward position, but he's a power forward in today's NBA. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it definitely changes it. I mean, Collins is on a contract as well. Um, so, I mean, he would have been locked up for a couple more years. I mean, why draft another power forward? Um, when you have that, I don't know, locked up, I guess, unless you're really confident he can play the three if you get rid of Barnes uh, in that Collins trade. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would, my guess would be they would have chosen Ivy if they got Collins. But I mean, there's just so many factors now because then, like, going into, I'm going to kind of switch it around now, is that, you know, Ivy really wanted to go to Detroit and he has these, you know, ties to Detroit. His mom played for Detroit shock. I I believe the WNBA team, his grandfather played for the lions. Um, I believe his dad was from Detroit or it said he had like, they were showing like his country day Jersey, whatever that means. I I think Mm -hmm. it's high school or something. So, yeah. Um, so that came out yesterday when they when uh, Detroit was presenting Jaden Ivy to, I guess Detroit, um, the city, and so, and it, you know, it kind of brings up those questions where it's like, okay, like obviously, Ivy really wanted to go to Detroit, um, and obviously the Pistons really wanted him. So it's like, it, you know, just like okay, were they just not going to pick him regardless? And was Keegan Murray just always the pick? Because of that reason, or did, were they just really high on Keegan Murray and they just he was above them? Because you know, I mean, regardless of McNair said he was the best player available, you know, you can raise speculation on that. But um, you know, I, I don't know, was he was he the best player available, or were they kind of forced to? I don't know. Call him, you know, it's it's such a weird situation. There's like so many factors coming in right now. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, were they ever going to pick Ivy or was he kind of just off the table? They didn't want someone who wanted to be somewhere else. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it really answered your question. No, but, uh, I I feel like I feel like a good question to ask is like, well, what was underwhelming about the, the offers that Sacramento was sending was because Barnes was reportedly, you know, included in that in, in that conversation. Um you know, was it the fact that the Kings weren't willing to give up, you know, draft capital? Uh, were the Hawks looking at getting at someone, you know, like Davion Mitchell or something like that? Were the Kings not looking to get rid of him? You know, I, I wish there was a little more uh, insight. I wish someone could shine a flashlight in this situation and kind of figure out what the hell was so underwhelming. Um because it seems like if that's the case, if that, that that trade didn't go through, there's a good chance that the Kings were really trying to get John Collins. And for the, all the obvious reasons, you know, from the contract to the skill level, um, all that thing, all those things. But, you know, 
what what fell short and i guess maybe they considered at the end of the day that the the safest bet was maybe taking keegan murray but you know you were talking about unless you have any if you have any idea of why the offer would be underwhelming i could pivot on to the next question but um, um i just can't figure out why i i mean i can't either I, I don't I don't really know what to trade because it said the fourth pick was not being discussed in this in a, a package right. for Collins, so and, and Barnes had to have been right. So mm-hmm. I mean I, I don't know. I mean assuming I don't know they, to make it a worthy trade, you're either going to have to add in a future pick or Davion Mitchell. That's mm-hmm. what I'm assuming. That's it's young talent. Um, it's really only young talent the Kings have is in Mitchell. And then of course, you know, draft picks. So may I could see them saying no to trading away Mitchell. Um, yeah, I don't know, like Barnes and Mitchell for John Collins that really make the Kings better. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So that's in, and that gets to that, like what's the safer pick, but I guess one of the things that could have been underwhelming was maybe the Kings wanted to dump money or something like that, and the Hawks weren't interested in that. You know, I don't know. Maybe they wanted to include moving Rashawn Holmes, which I'm not sure, because the Rashawn Holmes thing's interesting because he was at the Mike Brown press conference, and I know that doesn't secure anybody's place on the team. Um, But, you know, he was there. Uh, Mike Brown alluded to him as a good defender. Um uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's 100% going to be moved, but under the assumption that we've all talked about that the most likely scenario is that he is moved. Um, was that included and the Hawks just weren't interested in dealing with that? I mean, I don't know. I guess there's a lot of things to think about there, you know? Well, to add on to the John Collins situation, yeah, the Hawks wanted to move him by, you know, on draft night, but he, I mean, he's still on the Hawks. And I mean, I'm assuming he's still going to be moved before the season begins, or I mean, maybe not for certain, but it sounds like they're still trying to trade him. Um, you know, I, I could see the Kings still going after him. It's someone that's True. kind of been on their radar. He's a guy that can definitely plug in next to Fox and Sabonis, you know, that stretch big. He, you know, he checks that box. So even with Keegan Murray on this team, I still wouldn't be surprised if the Kings would go after John Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I they know. they could do a they could, you know, they may not start together, but they could still do a lot of interesting things on the court with those two guys out there in Murray and Collins, uh, you know, around the other guys as well. But, um, you know, you were mentioning the ties to Detroit uh, that were mentioned for Jade and Ivy, and of course, Detroit is. I think it's only like a three and a half, four hour drive from South Bend, Indiana, um, which is where his mom coaches women's basketball for Notre Dame. And I think Purdue is in South Bend as well, if not just really close. Um, so not far from where he was right there, all the roots, um, not to mention all the reports that <laughs> uh, kind of were tough to shake off given the uh, I guess lack of enthusiasm maybe in Jade Nivey's, uh, you know, like Sacramento wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst uh, landing spot kind of comments. And uh, just the fact that there were just multiple reports about his disinterest, whether it was, you know, his actual disinterest or something his agents were trying to do. It just seemed like the whole thing was pushing Ivy towards Detroit. Um, and, you know, of course, we talked about like how it's a business at the end of the day. And it's like, well, if someone's going to draft you at number four overall and pay you the extra money to do that, basically, um, you're going to play basketball for that team. Um, but at the same time, we had Mike Brown's press conference, I think a week ago now, um, where he was talking about the alignment of trust and, and, and uh, everybody buying in and giving 100% effort and changing that culture. And, you know, could see, you know, possibly how someone's, you know, 
disinterest or maybe maybe not disinterest in being Sacramento, but his interest, uh, considerable interest in being somewhere else, um, uh, could be an issue with that. And I guess you know that just comes down to I mean. Did, did Ivy, was he the guy that at the end of the day, was he really dictating the situation? Did he really um, pull all the maneuvers that essentially caused the Sacramento Kings to pick Keegan Murray number four overall? Um, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's such a weird, cause, I mean, because McNair is a BPA guy, right? He's the best player available guy. In everyone's big board, Ivy was above Murray. But then everyone except the Kings, right? Because they say that everyone was unanimous that in the front office that they got the best player available. But I mean, it's like, come on, everyone had Ivy at four. It was the top, it was the three, the three bigs. And then it was Ivy everywhere. And so, I don't know, just coming out and saying like, yeah, like we got the best player available. It's like, eh, like, I'm not saying that Murray's a bad guy. I'm a, I'm I'm excited for Murray. I think he's a, he he's a good player. He's like he's not that worse than Ivy. Um, yeah, he's a very he, he's a very good prospect. But if we're gonna talk about best player available, it's Ivy. It was Ivy at that point. And I don't know. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way when they said, you know, yeah, we got the best player available. It's like uh, I don't know. That just sounds like they're lying to us. Yeah, do you think they were just, do you think, that's interesting, do you think McNair was just saying that to kind of preserve the idea that that's the philosophy, that's the thing they're doing, that and it would go hand in hand with, you know, the idea that it's like, you know, I know that we'll get into this probably in a second, but it's just like that whole making the playoffs thing. I mean, that, that, that uh, there's kind of, I got from the last couple of, uh, press conference appearances where McNair's out there, you kind of get this, you know, sense for it's like, no, 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 you don't have to pay attention to that whole playoff thing. Like, what are you talking about? We're just, we're just doing this, it's the same old thing. This is the same old thing. We're doing the same old job here. Just doing the Kings. I'm just the Kings GM, you know, mm-hmm. same old thing, but you know, uh, I don't know. Like it could just be part of that shtick, but I mean, do you really buy it? That Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like if if McNair and I, I don't know if he can say these things or if I don't know, but if he came out and was like, you know what, like Jaden Ivy's interests were elsewhere, and you know, and before I even go off on this, it's like you, you're telling you you drafted Murray regardless, and so you know what I'm about to say would be kind of like downplaying Murray, how you know what the Kings think about him, um, if they said like. You know what, like Jaden Ivey was the best player available on the big board at that point, but his interests were elsewhere. We wanted to bring in someone who wanted to be in Sacramento, who's a very good prospect himself. He's going to be a great fit for this team. Like, I would have respected that a little more. But now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> Murray, man, you know, you might rub your new rookie, the guy you just picked, you know, rub him a little wrong way. If you say, mm-hmm. you know, there's someone better than you, but, you know, he, he didn't want to be here, so we took you. So, I don't know. And now I'm, you know, second-guessing what I'm saying. Because, well, yeah, it, it kind of sounds like he's lying to us. But, you know, maybe he's, you know, trying to hype up his own guy. No, that's true. And, I mean, I guess one of the things is that, like, even when, like, McNair talks about Murray being the best player available, it, he kind of he mentions, like, he just, you know, he – he just kind of there's a good fit. I think he said something at the at Murray's introductory press conference, um, where he was like, you know, he just he just makes he checks all their boxes kind of thing. You know, it's like the same thing with Mike Brown. I don't know. Like, ah, I guess the whole thing with 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 picking Murray is that you know like. Maybe he's the best player available, but it's it's conditional. It's it's like it's conditional on the circumstances. And I feel like even I guess my point is even when you listen to McNair talk about like why they pick Murray, you can kind of get a sense that it's like you don't even. This is why we're questioning the fact that it's like is he really the best player available? Because it'd be like it's okay if he wasn't, you know. I mean, like, but like, why are you just trying to play it off? 
you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's so contingent on the circumstances of, um, you know, making the playoffs and whatnot. Um, but like you get the sense that, you know, people that put together the mock drafts, uh, some Kings fans, I think I feel like it's, the fan base is, it's fair to say maybe it's a little split 50, 50 on this pick. Some people wanted Ivy. The other, uh, the other half probably wanted Murray. I don't know. Uh, it might be a more 60, 40 thing one way or the other, but um, you know, and you know, for what it's worth, and I don't think it's worth a whole lot. The national media also thinks that, uh, it was a bad pick that Ivy was the guy to take there for the most part. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, is it, is Murray really the best player available at number four? I guess the question that I would ask is, okay, so you're the Rockets at number three, and all of a sudden you're not getting Bancaro, but you got Jabari Smith Jr., Jaden Ivey, and uh, Keegan Murray. Who's the one player that's not getting picked at that third spot? It's Keegan Murray. Yeah. And it's just like, once you think about it that way, it's just like had a whole best player available. It's like, why don't you just drop the subject? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, why are you trying to play it off? Like, cause it's like, I don't know, man, maybe he will be, maybe he will be. And I think Keegan Murray is going to be very good. And I don't think there's going to be any regret around this pick, but you know, I feel like by talking about the whole best player available thing, it kind of just sparked the conversation. It kind of stoked the, the the spark there the 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 flame of uh the discourse uh in terms of who was the best player available but um i don't know any thoughts on that um no i mean you make up a good point (laughs) yeah just don't bring it up like you made a good point where it's like you i could have seen the rockets choosing Jaden ivy and somehow jabari smith fall into us but it's like, yeah, Keegan Murray was never going to be that third pick. So you, you bring up a good point in that. Uh, just, you know, really showing that Ivy was the better player available. But it's like, yeah, just, just stop bringing up the best player available. Um, yeah, just it's it's not doing anyone good. You make, it, just, it just makes the front office sound like they're lying. Um, and, but, you know, I just, on, you know, we're giving so much attention to Ivy and, you know, he, I, I'm an, I, I wanted Ivy. Like I, I'll say that I wanted Ivy. I thought he's the best player available. That's been working with us or, you know, it's been working for us since McNair's come in. But, um, you know, like I'm, I'm really excited for Keegan Murray to be here. Um, he's a, you know, high character guy. He's going to really fit into what the Kings have been trying to do. He's a really excellent player in himself. He has a, a high ceiling, high floor, you know, he's, uh, he's going to, he's going to be a good player in this league. Um, and I, I think Ivy will too, you know, but at the end of the day, I, it's, it seems like Ivy wanted to be somewhere else. And you know, that makes me look like a little more okay with this Keegan Murray pick too. Well, it's like, yeah, Ivy was a better player, player, better player available. But, you know, I want someone to be, like, I want someone here that wants to be here. It's going to work hard to be here and help, you know, um, give into this culture a little. So I think, you know, it, it kind of eases my, like, this, you know, my displease with not taking Ivy. Because if he didn't mm-hmm. want to be here, then let's get the guy who does. And, you know, it's like Murray was going fifth. You know, he's going fourth or fifth. He's either going to the Kings or going to the Pistons. It's like we, you know, jumped like 10 spots back and chose like some guy who wasn't going to be picked in, you know, the top 10 or something. We chose the next, next best player available in that situation. So, um, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm still happy with it. And, you know, Ivy, yeah, we could have got him, but we got someone who wants to be here and, uh, I'm happy with it. He's a good player, and I think he's going to do good things on the Kings. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the, in terms of McNair's kind of resume so far as the GM of the Kings, I mean, obviously, the thing that he's done best is draft. And maybe he really does think Murray's the best player available. And if that's the case, if he's 100% being honest when he says that, um, without getting too caught up on considering the circumstances of what the team's trying to do. Uh, 
you know, if he's really, you know, a hundred percent about Murray being the best, then, you know, who's to say, I mean, like, who are we to say that he's wrong? I mean, like he's proven that he's kind of picked the right guy uh, in terms of who the best player is. And, you know, like picking at number four, I think I brought this up before. It's like, you know, it's one thing to pick the best player available at like pick 12 and a pick nine as they did with Halliburton and Mitchell. But it's like at pick four, you know, you have your best fit. He's kind of, he's like the next best player available. He's still a top five prospect. Eh, that's still seems like kind of, maybe he doesn't make the cut exactly, but like you could see the line of thinking there. You know, it's a completely different situation. And of course, like, Murray could you could make the argument that Murray was the best player available. I mean, he did average the most points in the country at twenty three and a half a game. Uh, you know, eight point seven rebounds. Um, played great defense. Very efficient three point shooter at thirty nine point eight percent. He had a great year. Um, and like you said, I think the high character thing that's very important. And he's a hard worker. And I feel like. Yeah, maybe Ivy has something in common with um, Halliburton and Mitchell in that he was the best prospect available. Um, but Keegan Murray has the thing in common with the two last Kings draft picks in that he's one of the hardest workers and like most passionate about the game and focused on the task at hand kind of guy, uh, as was Halliburton and Mitchell. So, you know, like in a lot of ways, you could make the argument that the Kings in a way maybe got the best player available. I don't know. Um, As I said, like you're kind of, you know, kind of cutting corners in that argument. But, you know, like the line of thinking makes sense, especially at number four overall. Yeah, I mean, there there is there definitely can be more to the best player available than just what they do on the court. You know, there's the locker room presence. There's, I, I mean, I guess, I don't think you can really argue fit. But, you know, there's the intangibles that, you know, these players can bring. Um, you know, like Murray, the high character. Maybe that was just what kind of set him over the top above Ivy for McNair, and that's why he viewed him as the best player available. So I, I think most people agree that Ivy has a higher ceiling in this league. I think that's what kind of dictates best player available is that ceiling. But, um, you know, I mean, that there are different, I mean, there's no clear cut definition for the best player available. So like, I don't know. It's just, you know, maybe Murray just had some different stuff that ranked him higher than what Ivy can just produce on the court or his potential that he can do on the court. Um, but no, you, you made a good point, too, where it's, you know, it is different picking the BPA at 9 or 12, you know. It's, it's you know, it's a lot different. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Kings, they have been drafting those hardworking guys, those, you know, those gym rat kind of guys who just trying to get better, good attitude. And, you know, they got that in Murray. So, yeah, it's, it's hard to say it's that they didn't draft like they have been in the past. Um because obviously McNair, I, I didn't expect them to uh, draft Davion Mitchell last year, but they did, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I didn't expect Murray this year either, but it worked out. And those hardworking guys have only paid out under McNair so far. So uh, you brought up a good point in that, too. It's worked out so far. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in terms of, like, they keep asking, because there are some people that say that, Keegan Murray has a low ceiling. And I think that compared to the other four players in the top five, like when you're thinking about ceiling, the vet, which is the highest potential does not mean that they're necessarily going to get to that potential based on athleticism and certain combination of skill sets. Murray had the lowest of those five, just based on the, what, what Holmgren can turn into what Jabari Smith is like a, you know, magician trick shot kind of jump shooter, what Ivy can do with his explosiveness, what Paolo Bancaro can do with his playmaking ability and uh, just kind of like NBA-ready uh, kind of uh, grit and whatnot on the offensive end, uh, what he can do. Uh, 
um, in leading teams in the NBA. You know, like you can make the argument that he's got the lowest of those guys, but he doesn't have a low ceiling. He still has a mm-hmm. very high ceiling. And, you know, it was, you know, McNair was asked about that because that's the argument that so many people who don't really know what they're, they're not, it's not that they don't know what they're talking about because who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to draft picks and whatnot? <laughs> Nobody knows what these guys are going to be. But, you know, just lazy takes, I guess, is the way to put it. You know, lazy takes. It's like, he's got a low ceiling. It's like, no, it doesn't. I mean, he's a top five prospect for a reason. You don't have yeah. a low ceiling if you're a top five prospect. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this guy, what you get as a rookie is that's about, he's going to just go plateau, you know? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's lazy. And, you know, like, Murray can be really, really good. And the thing is with Fox and Sabonis and, you know, potentially adding another player, but even if Barnes is on the team, he doesn't have to really be much of, uh, you know, a primary option at all. And he's going to really thrive in that situation. And, you know, that just makes a lot of sense at that point. That just underscores the the fit and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he compared himself or he said he modeled his game off of, uh, Chris Middleton, which I think says a lot because Chris Middleton was not a high draft pick if, you know, if I remember correctly. And I think he had to really like work his way up to the level that he's at now. And like, I don't know. Like, I just think that that's a, that's because like one of the things that Murray said is that uh, Middleton's not like super athletic or whatnot. I mean, he just like, he works at his craft, you know, he, he, he plays at the right pace. He does the right things, you know? Um, and of course he had to work his way up to where he is. And I just think that just really kind of like, like in terms of character and whatnot, it's like, that's really like, you could make the argument. It's like, that's exactly what the Kings need. Mm-hmm. And given everything else, given the fact that he was the highest scoring player um, in the country last season, it's like all those things. I mean, Again, you could make the argument that he's the best player available. Um, I don't know if I would die on that hill, but, um, you know, there's a lot there. Yeah, no, I mean, you said it. I'm, I'm excited for Murray. Um, like I said, I, I, was, I was an Ivy guy. I wanted them to get Ivy, but, yeah, Murray, just because he has a lower ceiling than those first three guys in Ivy, you know, it doesn't mean he has a low ceiling and he has a, he has a high floor. He probably has the, you know, behind, you know, Smith and Bancaro. He probably has the, you know, out of those five guys, he has probably, you know, the highest floor behind those guys. So, I mean, I think he's going to, you know, he's not going to like, like do anything crazy his rookie year, but I think he's going to be a solid piece. I could see him starting unless, you know, you end up getting John Collins or mm-hmm. someone else at that power forward position. But, I mean, he's a guy who's going to be ready to contribute to this team's playoff, you know, trying to trying to end that playoff drought right away. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, and, but, you know, that brings you the question. <laughs> Was I guess I'll, uh, I'll have to address it now, is that did McNair choose Murray who seems like a better fit for this team because of his contract situation. And, um, you know, he said in that press conference that there is no mandate to make the playoffs, but this is a dude who's <laughs> is in the last year of his contract. Um, I don't think McNair has done anything worthy of getting fired. Um, I think he needs to do a little better in free agency. Kind of like you mentioned, he's been doing great in the draft. He did that Sabonis trade. The free agency has been kind of weak mm-hmm. last, you know, since he's been around. But, um, you know, did, did he make that Keegan Murray pick, who seems like a better fit for the team, even if he wasn't the best player available and Ivy was? Um, you know, was his, was his contract situation uh, playing a part in his draft pick, do you think? I mean, I, you can't rule it out. Not at all. Um, you know... That was that's one of the things with picking Murray. I mean, like that's one of the arguments that, not in terms of whether you should pick one or the other, but why the Kings were probably going to pick Murray was just because the Kings need to make the playoffs. 
McNair needs to pick a guy that's going to get them to the playoffs as soon as possible. And in terms of plugging and playing projected starter, um, in terms of like the rookies that are coming in, you know, you're probably looking at Bancaro, Smith, uh, Ivy, and Murray is probably the favorites to be rookie of the year. And I think Murray has one of the more complete games at this point right now um, of those four. And he could really be rookie of the year. I mean, who was, did, did Tyreek Evans win rookie of the year? Yeah, at number four. And he, he was, and he, was yeah. he was number one. He was wearing number thirteen. Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Huh? Number four picks. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, interesting. that's interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, let's hope there's a little more consistency uh, <laughs> to Murray. But um, yeah, that's exciting for that first year. Um, but um, you know, it 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 makes sense that that, that, that that's exactly. I mean, maybe not the exact reason, but a major reason, a, a, a major contributing factor into why they picked Murray. Um, you know, when Matt George asked that question um, in the post-draft press conference, uh, you can kind of see McNair kind of like, I don't know, McNair does a good job of like making eye contact, I feel like, with the reporters. And uh, not like, he doesn't like look away very often to, to think about things, you know? So that when he does, it gives off the impression, at least to me, and I could be wrong, it gives off the impression to me that he's really thinking about his answer. Um, and I remember reminds me of the end of the season press conference when um, they were, I think he got asked a question about kind of like, you know, was there anything that you didn't really expect getting this job? And he kind of thought about it for a second because it seemed like the illusion, because I think it was in the aftermath of a couple more reports about the environment under Ron Adive being hectic and chaotic. Um, the, the implication behind the question was kind of not maybe alluding to it, but like it was kind of like flashing attention in that direction. And so like McNair really had to think about it. And it was kind of similar with this Matt George. I mean, McNair in that situation ended up saying, well, I just didn't expect, you know, the fans to be so great. It was just one of those cop out answers. Um, <laughs> like, um, like when Mike Brown talks about the world-class facilities of, you know, the gold one center and the practice facility. I'm like, great. You said it four times already. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> but you know, McNair on Thursday night, he just kind of like looked up kind of like, uh, kind of scrunched his kind of brow and kind of thought about it. You know, uh, when he was asked about, uh, the mandate basically to make the playoffs and he just said, there's no mandate. And it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm calling BS on that. Um, I, I think that's, just you know to to cover you you look at the Mike Brown press conference and it, with any press conference that's introductory it's just kind of like awkward smiles that you're holding for very long it kind of feels forced of course it's going to feel forced it's a new situation it's an introductory thing but it's like you know the idea is it's like really trying to put a face on the product of the Sacramento Kings it's like hey things are really turning around you know and if you kind of have this desperate like uh, feeling around the, the franchise, especially going into the season, that you have to make the playoffs, you have this like pressure, like, I don't know, like it just sends like an, an interesting message and it sets the Kings ownership up for, you know, getting dogged if they don't, you know. And also that kind of lends itself to the idea that like keeping McNair on a, a tight leash here Con, uh, with the contract and whatnot is like if the Kings don't make it, you know, they have their scapegoat, you know. And I know I just kind of threw a lot there at the end, kind of, you know, snowballed into a few different things there. But, you know, like, come on. Like, there's such an element of just like covering and, and, and trying to make things appear as if it's all fine and dandy. Like I said, it's like, no, there's no mandate to make the playoffs is what McNair was saying. It's just, it's just the same old thing, you know, just going through it. It's like, sorry, I don't think Kings fans are thinking that that's how it should be. Better not be like that in the, in the minds of most Kings fans. You better be trying to make the playoffs. You better be feeling like there's a mandate, even if there's not a mandate from the top, even if you're not going to acknowledge that. You should at least have that attitude. I mean, it just seemed like such a silly moment. Yeah, and, and you wrote that, um, you wrote an article about this mandate the other day, and you wrote in there that, I think it was like a Mark Stein report where he said um, 
you know, the head coaching candidates were told that they're, you know, the Kings are expecting a like Timberwolves level rise, you know, like from mm-hmm. last year to this year for the Timberwolves. Like they're expecting that for the Kings going into this season under the new head coach. So you say, you know, like that's, it sounds like a playoff kind of rise. You're going to have that report come out between, you know, and having that expectation on the head coach to have this rise, but there's mm-hmm. no, there's no mandate to make the playoffs. We're just yeah. expecting it. So I, sure. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I agree. It's BS. And of course, there's a mandate. And it's, it's Vivek Ranadive. Like, come on. Like, don't, don't play dumb with us. We know the owner. He's, you know, we've been around longer than you have, McNair. You don't, and you don't have to lie to us. <laughs> we know. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, there better be a mandate, too. Like, we've been waiting forever to, for the Kings to make the playoffs. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. I agree. It, it was kind of silly. Um a lot of silly things from these press conferences. Yeah, yeah. But it's I don't a, know, it's, maybe a, it's a wonder you. It's a wonder you only hear from McNair after, like you know, after the season, the draft. I guess like before the year, and then like when he fires a head coach or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or when any GM fires a head coach, you know, he he only fired uh, Walton. But you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, there's a reason these guys don't talk to the media every day trying to do their job i guess but i mean man just it it's interesting it's interesting it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out in terms of both the king's season and um you know over like the next four five six years to see um how ivy and murray turn out to be you know and that's one of the things that's like kind of interesting about the draft i guess um is like you know that we we especially maybe it's because we are talking about the Kings and that's what we're doing here. Um, so it's like, we're going to talk about the draft for the month and a half beforehand. Like playoffs are going on and Kings are in the playoffs. You know, we're talking about a head coaching search. We're talking about the draft, put a lot of thought into the draft, but at the end of the day, like, is the draft that important? I mean, like it's important. Of course it's important, you know, especially when you're getting the number four pick, but I mean, like, you know, and, and this isn't necessarily the case with Murray at all, but it's like, I mean, how much do you really expect from rookies at the end of the day? And also, you know, in terms of the pressure that Sam Amick had reported about McNair being under with one year being left on his contract, you know, he's drafted well. Like, we should expect that from the draft. The draft should, like, be a, you know, a, kind of a considerable thing, but it shouldn't be, like, a huge deal. The real focus should be on where the other acquisitions are coming from. So, I mean, like, I don't know. It seems like a silly question, but in a way, like, you have to ask, like, is the draft really that, was it that big of a deal? I mean, at the end of the day, I my ideal situation for the Kings was to trade that fourth pick. I, I said I was Team Ivy, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I wanted them to, to get a really good haul in return for that fourth pick while somehow staying in the lottery. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it, a rookie's not going to help out year one. And it's, he's, they're probably, you know, going to be minimal help year two. You know, I mean, they'll probably, they're going to be better, obviously. But, you know, these guys don't really, really find their, not prime necessarily, but, you know, they're really, you know, their groove until until year three or four. That's when you really see them starting to take off, right? Mm-hmm. Unless, like you know, they're really good players. But um, I don't know, Keegan, he doesn't really spark. You know, he doesn't strike me as one of those guys. But yeah, I mean, the Kings, they're built to win now. They're built to win now. They got that Sabonis trade that marked, you know, their path forward. They they need a win. They got this guy. He's gonna be. He's under contract for two more years. And, you know, you kind of, this is an all-star level player. You're kind of hoping that he resigns. And so you have to prove to him that he should resign in Sacramento. Unless for some reason he just, like, falls apart. But I don't see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you want, you got to start winning now. You, you got to keep this Fox Sabonis tandem, you know, together for the foreseeable future. Because they're, they're the best chance that we've had in a long time to make the playoffs. These are two all-star level players. I know Fox isn't, has not been an all-star, you know, yet in his career, but he, he has 
he has the talent to do it, and I don't think anyone's gonna you know deny it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I wish they had gotten some players um, to bring over and you know start that winning because they they need to win now. If they don't make the playoffs, it's gonna be seen as a major failure. You're gonna have Fox and Sabonis and Sacramento, and you're still not making the playoffs. Like I, I get it, it's not easy. Um, you know, there's a lot of good teams. Like the Clippers didn't even make the playoffs last year, but um, you know, it's different expectations now. They're built to win. They have this core. Um, and yeah, the draft. You know, it's it's exciting. You can get guys who are gonna, you know, develop into these hopefully great players one day. But and that's always kind of like a focus, like a back pocket focus. But yeah, the free agency. Like we said, McNair's never really done much in free agency. I mean, his what his biggest free agent signing ever is Hassan Whiteside, you know, on a yeah. vet minimum. Like they need to do something. They need to do they need to do something in free agency this year because it's been, you know, it's been pathetic, honestly. And yeah, you can, you know, we you can he drafted Halliburton and Mitchell, and you know they've been you know, show Halliburton's showing that he's going to be a good player in this league, and Mitchell has shown a lot, of, you know, showed a lot of promise in his rookie year. But, you know, you need guys who are going to contribute right away, and that's where you get it, like you said, in free agency. So it is, it's, free agency is going to be way more important because how this team is built right now, even with Keegan Murray, you know, that's, I don't know if that's a playoff team. They, they're still a, they're a couple wings away from mm-hmm. being like, okay, like this is a team I will really believe in. Right. The West is tough too, but yeah. you know it's the other forms of acquiring players. It was the Sabonis trade, after all, that set this team on a completely new track that makes the playoffs an even somewhat believable conversation at this point. And like that's, I think Kings fans know when things are kind of blown out of proportion a little. But there's, you know, a, a track potentially to the playoffs if the Kings can, you know get those acquisitions in other ways. And um, like you said, I mean, like they do have a lot of talent that you can't waste the, the fact that what Mike Brown called them, the top three, you know, a top three pick and roll tandem uh, in Fox and Sabonis. Um, like you, you can't waste that. And, you know, one of the things that I, I wonder about is that, you know, Mike, uh, Monty McNair rather was uh in the last couple of off seasons here, you know, he, his coach was, was Luke Walton and, you know, Luke Walton's got his assistant coaching job in Cleveland and all that. And, you know, he's, I'm sure he's well liked around the league, but you know, Mike Brown is going to have a different, you know, gravitational pull, if you will, you know, for this team, people will want to come play for him. And I think that, you know, I don't know if that necessarily means that you know the Kings are going to sign Jordan Poole or something like that. I just don't think you're going to get something like that. But you know, in terms of like veteran players that can help you make the playoffs, you know, Mike Brown is an established guy in this league that's well liked, and you know, he has years under his belt that Walton just doesn't, and success as well. And um, you know, it all comes down to that. And I guess the point is, is everything's ripe for things to go right that you you really can't waste it. And, you know, the pressure's on for McNair as it is contract or not, you know, playoff mandate or not from the, from the very top, you know, it should be there. I mean, things have to go right at this point. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see, but they, 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 I don't think that they've been in this position uh, to make a considerable leap in a while. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Mike Brown, you, you know, he he definitely makes Sacramento more of an appealing place to come to as a free agent, and so does the tandem of Fox and Sabonis. You know, it's be the first free agency, um, I guess. You know, with them on the team, so you know that, that can attract some names too. Um, but it is kind of a weaker free agency class than, you know, years past. So there are going to be limited names. Um, you know, and a lot of people want to go to winning teams. And this is 
not so much of a rebuild, but you know, the Kings still have a lot to prove. And so, um, I don't know. I'm just hoping for the best, really. They, they, they're going to have to get a couple, not big names, but a couple solid role players at that three and four position. Hopefully a really good four and like a trade somehow, like a John Collins. But, uh, you know, then you lose Barnes. That's a whole different conversation. But, you know, they're going to have to make a couple couple moves um, and a limited free agency. And even, like I said, even with that, you know, new appeal with Mike Brown and Fox and Sabonis, it's still Sacramento. It's still not going to be easy, you know, getting some of those you know, quote-unquote, bigger names in this class, free agency class. Mm-hmm. Well, when does when does free agency start? Do you know? The th- 30th or the 1st of July? Or it's early, early July? It's one of them days, like right okay. before 4th of July. It's coming up. Um, so that'll be fun. I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like you talk about the wings, I mean, like, Harrison Barnes has been a very good player for this Kicks team. He's put together a very nice NBA career. And, and he's, you know, he's a good three-point shooter, and he's he's a good leader, and uh, he's a steady presence out there on the floor. Um, maybe, you know, if the Kings could really upgrade at the three, that would be something. I don't know who. You know, everybody's got their own ideas, crazy or not crazy. Um of who could possibly do that. But, you know, Barnes is really good. But sometimes I wonder if he can only take you so far. Um, but we'll have to see. Um, I just, on I guess one last question that I wanted to kind of get to is just your sense. What are you expecting from Murray, uh, Keegan Murray, that is, uh, <laughs> year one? Like stats wise, or just, just like, however you want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> what am I expecting from Murray? That's a good question. I really thought about it. Um, you know, if he's starting, which I think he, you know, I think he's the leading. I don't know. He, I don't know if he's above even Trey Lyles. We pick him up, but maybe he is. I, I don't know. He's a rookie, but say, say Keegan Murray starts. I'm expecting, you know, over 10 points a game, like low, like low double digits, like, you know, 12 points a game, Mm -hmm. six, seven rebounds. And to, you know, show that he can space the floor solidly for Sabonis and Fox. That's, I mean, that's why you got Keegan Murray. He can space that floor. He's a, he's a four that can stretch. (laughs) You can shoot the three. You know, and that's what the Kings, that is their main need at the moment, you know, with that Fox and Sabonis tandem. Like, they need someone to stretch the floor down low. He can do it. He brings other, you know, things to the game, of course. He's not just a one-dimensional guy. But, um, you know, that uh, that's what I'm expecting, that he can fit in with this team and, you know, show that he can be a good player in this league, too. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I don't know, kind of vague, but I guess and I'm, I'm not going to put, like, hard no, stats I'll, on the guy. Yeah, I feel like it's supposed to be vague. A year if he doesn't do it, <laughs> fire Mike Brown. <laughs> but uh, what, what about you, though? I mean, yeah, I think you're kind of spot on. I mean, like, everybody compares him to Harrison Barnes. If you look at Harrison Barnes' rookie season, started 81 games, you know, nine points, uh, four rebounds, you know, he played 25 minutes a game for the Warriors. I think that, you know, Murray won't have like a big, like a huge role. Like I said, he probably won't be anything more than a fourth option in his rookie year. Hopefully maybe even less. Um, but, you know, I could see him scoring 13 or 14 a game. I mean, just considering the fact that he's such a high IQ, high effort player, I think in terms of cutting with Sabonis in the high post, he'll be able to score, um, maybe get some open threes, um, he's also really good in transition uh, with Mike Brown here coming from Golden State. I expect this team to be better and faster and more on the move. Um, I think he'll be having a few, you know, good games scoring wise. Um, and then rebounds, you're probably right. Somewhere around like six, uh, maybe seven. Um, and just, you know, a steady force. Uh, I think 
for that reason, I think he really can be rookie of the year. Um, and he is one of the names that's talked about realistically is winning that award. Um, and, you know, we'll see what plays out for the Kings roster, but, you know, as a starter, I think he'll be uh, an, a nice player. I think he'll be a nice addition. Um, but uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see with him. We'll have to see with all these guys. Who really knows? It's only been a couple of days since the draft. Yeah, yeah, very true. And, you know, you have summer league, you have training camp, you have preseason. You know, those are all going to be a lot more telling. Uh, and, of course, for agency and see who's going to be in all those things. But, uh, you know, on the roster. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited for Keegan, whether he starts or not, you know. I think, and you know, it, even if people who are upset with getting Keegan Murray, I think, you know, he's going to play in summer league and it's, everyone's going to change their minds. And, you know, maybe, you know, still wish they had gotten Ivy. I think Ivy's going to be a good player in this league, but I think Keegan Murray will make a lot of people, you know, I don't know, change their change their minds about him because I think he's going to be a good player and I think he's going to show it pretty quick. Yeah, I don't think it'll be anything like the, you know, whether you put a lot of weight in this still at this point or not. You know, uh, I don't think this will be like a Doncic super uh, situation. You know, just you know. Ivy could be very, very good, not taking that away from him. But Murray is just not Bagley. Just the character and the work ethic. I think it's pretty immediate. I think you don't have to look very hard to tell that there's a pretty you know, stark contrast there. Yeah, exactly. And people make it seem like it is. And I get it. It's like recent memory, that Bagley-Dontich thing. It still hurts. But, um, yeah, like, like I've said it a million times. Like, yeah, Ivy was the better player available skill-wise. Uh, or, you know, ceiling-wise, I suppose. But, you know, it wasn't like Murray was way behind him or something. Like, he was right there. He was that fifth pick and you know, on most draft boards. And, you know, Ivy was fourth. So, no, Murray Murray's not far behind Ivy. He, he can, you know, he can be the better player. And who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep, but, it's, definitely, it's definitely a lively debate on both sides. And yeah. we'll see how it plays out. And I think for that reason, it was, you know, it was not the most exciting entertainment field draft. Um, I guess maybe all of that was more part of the selling point of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Kings have a lot to look forward here to, I think. And uh, so did some other teams. I do think Detroit had a really good draft, though, because they, uh, they got their guy Ivy. They got Jalen Duran from Memphis, um, who's arguably the best big man in the, in the draft. And they also got uh, via a trade with uh, multiple teams in Portland at 36, just before the Kings' 37th uh, pick. They took Prachita or Prasita out of uh, Italy, uh, the guy we talked about, or the guy I talked about. And uh, I don't know. The Kings traded their uh, 37th pick, uh, you know, got announced after that. I don't know if that was an immediate succession of Prasita getting picked. But the Kings traded their 37th pick uh, for two future seconds. So I don't know. Maybe they were looking at him, but uh, just throw yeah, a little two cents in there. True. Um, but uh, Detroit had a good draft, and I think the Kings, you know, just coming away with Murray um, and, uh, you know, Sasha, Sasha Viz- Viznikov. I think I'm saying that name right. Uh, maybe a future NBA player one day. Who knows? Haven't gotten really a clear answer, but. Pretty good draft night for the Kings. I think that uh, I, for sure you're not going to feel any uh, dreaded regret uh, looking back at uh, June 23rd, 2022. Yeah, and just because it wasn't the most exciting, there's like you know so much anticipation building up for this draft, and I get how it kind of came off as underwhelming, but um, you know, yeah, it doesn't make doesn't make it a bad draft just because you know the fireworks didn't come out, you know. Sometimes just doing the, you know, the basic move, which McNair's, you know, done seeming like his whole King's tenure so far. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's usually the best move in the end. We got a good guy in Murray. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him in action in Summer League. Yeah. One more thing before we close up here. Um, I did want to point out a couple of, maybe a month ago, 
we had mentioned the fact that, you know, on top of everybody projecting Jabari Smith going number one overall, the Vegas odds makers had Jabari Smith going number one overall by a pretty considerable margin. Holmgren wasn't too far behind, but there was a pretty big drop off behind Holmgren to Bancaro. That is to say, and this would be just true, there would have been a lot of damn money to make if you bet on Bancaro going number one overall. Yeah, and true, huh? Yeah, I think, you know, if there's a lot of money at stake, it would be uh, maybe a reason or, a you know, a major uh, contributor to uh, the fact that people could stay so quiet, um, you know, when that much is on the line. So, uh, interesting. I don't know. Uh, just something to think about. <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you have any, good draft. That's it? I, that's it for now. We'll see. We'll get All back right. into our. I can't wait to get back into our drafting conversation in a little less than a year from now. Yeah, and so I mean, hopefully, hopefully we're not on the lottery next year either. You know, who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe we won't have to do a month of draft coverage because we'll be more focused on the playoffs. Who knows? Um, you know, we can keep our fingers crossed. We'll see. But, we'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. But um, that's it. Yeah, thanks for you know joining in and you know Tony and John here bringing you Kings talk. Uh, until next time. <laughs>